live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. A great good afternoon. I hope you're doing very, very well on this Tuesday, October 4th, the year 2022. We've got LSU talk. The Pels open up their preseason um, soiree tonight in Chicago. We'll go around the SEC and we'll talk all about the New Orleans Saints on a very, very busy day in which we are so glad that you have joined us as my producer, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, spinning the tunes, pushing all the buttons, running the show. He's on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on 1041 in Lake Charles. We're streaming around the world, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And if you're in the Acadiana area, Near a television set, pop it on because we are simulcast on Stadium 32.3 and 133 on LUS Fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Best thing I saw yesterday and last night, yeah, they had a streaker at Monday Night Football. He had a shirt on and... It was like a, a, a baby reveal, a blue for boy, pink for girl. This was kind of reddish, whatever. But the best thing I saw was Bobby Wagner coming off the sidelines for the Los Angeles Rams and taking that knucklehead down. The main telecast didn't show up, but I'm watching the Manning cast, and they, they had a ball. They broke it down. It was tremendous. It was fun. Best thing I saw, the streaker laid out by the L.A. Rams, Bobby Wagner, after Tack McKinley tried to get him, but Bobby had the better angle, and bam, that's how you stop that foolishness. All right. Um, they may not like it, but they're showing up. LSU has announced that the LSU-Tennessee football game at 11 o'clock on Saturday is a complete sellout, a complete sellout. So it's going to be a fun time in Tiger Stadium until LSU looks up and sees that Tennessee volunteer offense through four games. They had a bye after the Florida win. They had a bye leading up to this game. Everybody else has played five. They've had their bye game. The Volunteers lead the SEC in total offense, 559.3 yards per game. They lead the conference in passing, 365.8 yards per game. And they lead the conference in scoring, 48.5 points per game. So Brian Kelly was asked, how does the Tennessee Volunteer offense affect your defensive game plan? Yeah, you got to get your cleats in the ground and you got to go play. So in one instance, they can't do a lot of things either, right? So if they're going to snap the ball with 20 seconds on the clock, there's not a lot of motion. There's not a lot of changing of formations. They've got to line up right and left too. So to play fast allows you – 
you know, obviously a, a pretty clean look at what you're getting. But on the other side, you're right. You can't do a lot defensively. But what you can do is get your cleats in the ground, line up, uh, play fast, play free, and, and play physical. Uh, and that's what we'll have to do against a, a really good uh, Tennessee offense. Uh, we'll talk with Matthew Bruni about this. Uh, Tennessee already saw Anthony Richardson from Florida, a big, talented quarterback that can run. Uh, so they're kind of used to that as they now face Jaden Daniels come Saturday. So we'll talk all about um, that and more with Matthew Bruni. Meanwhile, the New Orleans Saints are back home. They're trying to ra- salvage their season. They're trying to figure out what the heck they're going to do as they prepare for their next game. And um, you got to stop turnovers. You got to play smarter. You got to play together. And you got to figure out what are you going to do at the quarterback position, Dennis Allen? How do you approach the quarterbacks for next week? Well, I think the first thing we need to do is find out exactly where Jameis is health-wise before we make any decisions. You know what I mean? So – I think that's that's where we're at right now. I don't have complete information on that as we sit here uh, today. Hopefully, we'll you know get a better feel for exactly where Jameis is, you know, over the next twenty four hours, and then kind of see where we go from there. So it's the Saints and the Seahawks. The Saints are back at home, uh, where they will play uh, three, four of their next five games at home. Uh, Seattle comes to town this Sunday for a noon kickoff. Saints are favored. Five and a half. Um, I, I don't know how that is even possible, but if you took a poll of all the Saints fans out there, don't you think Geno Smith in 2022 is basically what the Saints fans wish Jameis Winston was going to be this year? Um, he's done a pretty good job for the Seahawks. So there you go. After that game, the Saints will host the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday, October 16th. That will be a incredibly difficult um ticket to get as my camera is off let's see what's happened here um james can you talk to me okay okay we're still good we're still good uh just put my face up on the screen and we'll figure it out from there speaking of the cincinnati Bengals, joe burrow announced today the launch of the joe burrow foundation a nonprofit foundation to help meet the needs of underprivileged and underserved families in Ohio and Louisiana who are working to overcome food insecurity and childhood mental issues. That is pretty darn awesome, if you ask me. So way to go, Joe Burrow. Speaking of LSU, we talked about the LSU-Tennessee game being a sellout. LSU basketball men's season tickets have reached over 7,000 season tickets sold. Women's basketball is at 4,500 seats so far. Just in case you uh, think you know about football and all these writers think they know about football, the preseason polls came out, and now these teams that were ranked in the preseason top 25 are no longer ranked. Number five, Notre Dame. Number six, Texas A&M. Number nine, Oklahoma. Number 10, Baylor. Number 15, Michigan State. Number 16, Miami of Florida. Number 17, Pitt. Number 18, Wisconsin, looking for a new head coach. Number 19, Arkansas. And number 24, Houston. 
So it's not how you start. It's always how you finish. In baseball, um, former LSU Tiger Aaron Nola finished his 2022 season with 235 strikeouts and a ridiculous only 29 bases on ball allowed in 32 starts. Think about that. 235 Ks, only 29 walks in 32 starts. Aaron Nola can paint that strike zone. That's the most strikeouts in a season with fewer than 30 bases on ball allowed in American or National League history. History. That is something. Wow. Um, The only others to reach 200 Ks and walk less than 30, Kevin Gosman had 205, another LSU Tiger back in 2022. Cliff Lee had 207 strikeouts and under 30 walks in 2012. And Cy Young back in 1904 had 200 strikeouts and fewer than 30 walks. But nobody had more strikeouts and fewer walks in the season in Major League Baseball history than Aaron Nola. How about them apples? How about that? Um, We will talk about the Pelicans as they get their preseason uh, schedule underway tonight against the Chicago Bulls. It's it's significant because uh, Zion Williamson will be back on the court. For how long? I don't know, but they certainly need this group to gel. And just in case you wanted a little bit of a teaser about how is uh, Zion looking, well, opening day, they practiced in the morning. Williamson was a full and healthy participant. They came back and had a scrimmage that night. First time he played five-on-five against his NBA peers in about 16 months. Well, <laughs> All Zion did was not miss a shot, dominate the game uh, or the scrimmage, and didn't even realize it. Didn't realize that he hadn't missed a shot. So um, second-year coach, uh, Coach Green, said that uh, Williamson was a force. Uh, he got down the floor quickly. When he caught the ball, he made quick decisions, whether we're scoring, finding a teammate. It was really impressive to See, so Zion getting ready to get his game on tonight. We'll talk with Ali Cassell about that. So Matthew Bruni on LSU, Ali Cassell on the Pels, Blake Topmeyer will go around the SEC. That A&M Alabama game, it just lost its luster, hasn't it? Georgia Auburn, really? Okay. All right. We'll see. We'll talk with Blake about that. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will have the black and gold report. So it's time to kill two birds with one stone. Help a good cause and do some early holiday shopping. The Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Club auction will be held tonight on KDCG. Channel 50.2 over air, Cox 9, Charter 11, LUS 22. The auction begins at 6 p.m. and viewers can bid on a variety of items, including gift cards, vacation packages, sporting goods, home decor, memorabilia, and much more. All proceeds go to worthy causes, and items can go for pennies on the dollar. So make sure to tune in tonight, starting at 6, for the Opelousas St. Landry Rotary Auction on KDCG. That's, remember, channel 50.2 over air, Cox Channel 9, Charter Channel 11, 
and LUS 22. We'll be back. We'll talk about the Tigers. Can they pull off the upset of the Vols? And boy, have there been some crazy, crazy. I'll tell you one of them. LSU was new to the party uh, going to SEC championship games. They were new. They didn't. Um, we, we didn't know. We didn't know anything about uh, what that was like. Tennessee, though, had been. And um, so the first SEC championship game uh, that LSU goes to, it's all, I'm telling you, it is all Tennessee fans. All Tennessee fans. Tennessee was 10-1, and one, fresh off of an upset of Florida. Uh, a win in Atlanta would send them to the Rose Bowl to play that really, really good Miami team in the BCS championship game. Tennessee's defense knocked out starting quarterback Rohan Davey, knocked out starting tailback LeBrandon Tofield from the game. The Vols led by 10 points at the half. This is Nick Saban coaching. This is a rematch less than three months later in the SEC title game after Tennessee had beaten LSU 26-18 to in Knoxville. So LSU's playing. All of a sudden, this unknown backup quarterback named Matt Mock the former minor league baseball player. He comes in and gives Tennessee's defense fits with draw plays that it just couldn't stop. LSU upset Tennessee, and the Vols have never been as close to playing in a major bowl game since that afternoon in Atlanta. Just one of the many stories. That whole stadium was orange. I couldn't believe it. I said, what are we doing in, in this place? Well, we figured it out, and that was never going to happen Again. All right. Time out. We'll talk more Tigers and Vols. Matthew Bruni, when we return to the Jordy Helper Show in the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, it's a, it's a sellout this Saturday, LSU-Tennessee. Doesn't matter what time the game is. If it's a good game, the people will come. And Tennessee's ranked eighth in the country. They got the best offense through their four games statistically in the SEC. They're coming off a win over Florida. They've got a bye. They had a bye preparing for this one. Matthew Bruni on 3.com. Kind enough to join us. Matthew, what's happening, buddy? Hey, um, I'm doing great. Uh, just another, you know, day over here in the, on the job. Uh, we got player interviews later tonight, so yeah, I'm looking looking forward to that. We had Brian Kelly yesterday, so plenty of uh, content up on the site. Lots of content on Bengal Tiger on three. Yes, Bengal Tiger on three. Um, yes. How are we going to fix this offense in this passing game? Because it's a fine line, isn't it? I mean, you're telling a quarterback, look, we don't want to turn the ball over. That was one of the three things that the quarterback, uh, that the coach has been preaching from day one. Protect the football. Don't turn it over. Get it to your playmakers. And three, sometimes you have to make plays on your own. So Jaden Daniels hadn't turned the ball over. He has made plays on his own. The problem is that thing in the middle, and that's getting the ball to your playmakers. It's a fine line. Um, don't you think? How do we solve this? Yeah, there's um, 
Man, everybody has their own ideas how to solve it. Uh, some people want uh, Garrett Nussmeyer. Some people want uh, Mike Denbrock's head. I mean, everybody obviously has different Lord. ideas. And I, the Auburn uh, game was I, – I knew going into it the offense would struggle. Obviously, I didn't expect them to struggle to that extent. Um, I thought the offensive line did about as well as I, you know, I could hope they were going to do against that Auburn defensive line. But I thought it was really telling that Brian Kelly comes out and says, you know, Jaden's going to have to let it fly. He's going to have to let it rip. He's going to have to make a couple throws. Maybe he's not as comfortable making. And it's not like he hasn't thrown interception in, in his career before, but he's also never been in this situation where he's been in the SEC and, you know, windows are tighter and it's just more more challenging at times. So he's going to have to go back to Arizona State, uh, Jaden, a little bit more and really try to make something out of nothing at times, even when maybe uh, the look isn't there that he wants exactly. But to have zero interceptions, and I don't even think he has a turnover-worthy play through no. five games. Yeah. You know, it's that's not uh, exactly what you want from your quarterback, even though, even though on paper it's great. <laughs> Yeah, uh, those calling for Garrett Nussmeyer, I don't understand it. What has Garrett Nussmeyer shown? I'm not d- dogging the kid, but what has he shown in his brief opportunities? I mean, my gosh, just because he can throw the ball down the field, but you got to throw it to the color jersey that you're wearing. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think, and you know, I was coming into the, I was pretty high on Nussmeyer. I don't think there's any point in changing the quarterback at this no. moment. I, especially. Even though, you know, we can get on Daniels for his arm or, you know, maybe accuracy or maybe not throwing the ball, or whatever, his legs give are arguably the reason they were in the game for Florida State and Mississippi State. No he ran question. for 100 yards basically in both games. I mean, yeah. that is an element that I don't want to get lost in this. Is yes, he struggled to throw the ball, but his legs are still going to win you games at times. So. I um, like him. I'm a huge fan of Jaden Daniels. A huge fan. I think he gives you the best chance to win simply by what you said, his ability to escape and to make plays. Um, what, what does LSU do with Kayshawn Booty? Uh, I mean, I, I liked that play that they did when they gave him the ball in a jet sweep and it went for like 10 yards and it looked great. And then it got called back because of a chop block by Josh Williams. I mean, Stuff like that would be awesome. Uh, we haven't seen many wide receiver screens or those really those hot screens right. that a lot of teams run in the country. Uh, I would be interested to see if they could add that. But at the end of the day, I don't even – I mean, I believe what Brian Kelly has said in the past about you know teams bracketing him and doubling him uh, and so on and so forth. But if that's the case, the rest of the receivers have not benefited no. off that at all. And I think that's right. been the main – concern is that if Butte is really being taken out, which I do think to a degree teams are obviously keying on him because he is kind of a safe outlet for Jay Daniels. Where's Malik Neighbors? Where's, you know, Dre Jenkins? Dre Jenkins didn't have a target last game. Brian no. Thomas, Jack Bass, you get on the list. So yeah, I think you gotta get him involved and you gotta figure out uh ways because Mike Demrock has been in the game for a long time. Should be able to scheme up some stuff for some explosive plays or I have played, I, Matthew, I've played college basketball at LSU. I, I, I know exactly what the deal is with Kayshawn Booty. I know exactly what it is. He is one of those divas, and I'm not saying that's bad. He is what he is. He thinks he's all that in a, hand, in a bag full of nuts, and that's great. Supreme confidence in himself. But if you don't get that kid involved early, 
He is going, you can tell by his body language, you can tell by his effort, it's just not going to be there. So I'm telling you, Brian Kelly, listen to me. Mike Denbrock, listen to me. Get him the ball early. I don't care how you do it. Hand it off to him. Throw a screen. Do whatever you have to do, but get him a touch early, and then you got him. You got him for the rest of the game. But if he goes a series, two series, three series, and he's not even targeted, he, he he's going he's gonna to fade out. He's going to fade out. Trust me yeah. on that. All right, that's my diatribe for the day. Matthew Bernie from uh, Bengal Tiger on three. Um, what's the key to this game in your, in your opinion? Because um, I think LSU has a chance against everybody on their schedule to win. But they also have a chance with everybody on their schedule to lose what 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 is your what are you focusing on on this game against a high-powered offense with a really really good quarterback and a coach that seems to understand how to get the best out of him yeah I'm you know just starting on the Tennessee prep and everything I think it's it's going to sound weird but I really think if LSU can continue to stop the run which they've done a good job of that mm-hmm. at least helps make Tennessee a little bit more one-dimensional. One dimensional because I've, I've been really impressed with Tennessee's balance. Obviously, Hendon Hooker at quarterback is a tremendous talent. They have really good receivers. Um, even though one of their better receivers is questionable for, for this game going into it. Right. Uh, if you can at least slow down the run game, which I think they did a good job of against Auburn and um, you know East Florida State to a degree, if you can make them a little bit more one-dimensional, take some of the RPOs out, take you know, some of their playbook away and maybe get them into a second and third and long. So I think that's going to be what I'm looking forward to if you want to get real specific with it. I, mm-hmm. I think the run defense for LSU, that has been pretty good to this point. And we saw Jaquel and Roy led them in tackles, six tackles last week. Uh, I think Mikai Wingo has been really good at defensive tackles. So I think if defense line continues to, to play at this level, I think it always gives them a chance, you know, to, to bother opposing offenses. I'm with you. I, I believe um, Tennessee, everything centers around their quarterback, Hendon Her- Hooker, mm-hmm. um, who throws it well. He also runs it well. So in my opinion, you got to take one of those two aspects out of it. And I think the key player for LSU this week, hate to say it, but he's a freshman, and that's Harold Perkins. I think he's got the speed, the the mobility, the aggressiveness to limit Hendon Hooker on his run capabilities. So in other words, he may have to be a spy in this one because um, you can't let Hooker do both. You either have to make him yeah. make him beat you throwing it or make him beating you running it, but you can't let him do both because then you got no shot, in my humble opinion. Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Perkins was great last week, uh, keeping an eye on Robbie Ashford, obviously Auburn's yeah. quarterback, who coming into the game, everybody. I mean, everybody knew he was going to look to run the ball a lot because he, you know, third-string quarterback, really fast. Not much was expected of him through the air. And Harold Perkins, I thought, made a couple plays uh, to really bother Ashford when he left the pocket. Uh, so, yeah, I could definitely see that. Harold Perkins, they, I love the way they've used him, whether it's been as an edge rusher, whether it's been as just an attacking linebacker, or whether it's been as a spy. I think they've used him really, really well. Not asking him to do, to do too much, not asking him to process a ton, let him go play and uh, use his athleticism. He is um, the one and only Matthew Bruni, uh, Bengal Tiger on three. How's that coming along, man? You enjoying that? I'm sure you are, huh? Good crew. 
<laughs> yeah, been here for uh, a little over a month now. Started September 1st. I mean, obviously, Shay Dixon and Billy Embody are two of the best in the business. I mean, everything recruiting has been awesome. And, you know, I try to bring the, the team side of it with all the, you know, whether it's analysis, whether it's interviews and stuff like that. So it's been it's been great. It's a, definitely been a great feedback from uh, the fans as well. I want to throw something out there and get your thoughts on this. As a young um, uh, sports writer who who loves what he does, all these coaches are getting fired. We just saw Paul Chris from Wisconsin. It's not even November yet. I read something uh, somewhere. I can't remember who did it, uh, but he came up with a, an idea um, for the players um, because last year, Before November, Ed Orgeron, Clay Helton, Gary Patterson, Matt Wells at Texas Tech, Chad Lunsford at Georgia Southern, Randy Etzel at UConn, all fired. Now we've seen a bunch of coaches fired already, and the the dead man walking is Brian Harson. Just a question of not if, but when. Um, For the players, those that uh, signed up because of those coaches, and those coaches are gone. How about we do something for the players where this year doesn't count against their eligibility, and they get another year after that? That makes the college game even better. You got older quarterbacks like Hendon Hooker is 24. Stetson Bennett is 24. All these players are older, more mature, and I think it makes the game that much better. Would you be in favor of that? I I think I would. I, I hadn't thought about that before, but I honestly think the COVID year, um, you know, giving everybody that extra eligibility in the COVID year really added, um, obviously, talent. I mean, you have players like, um, I think, uh, Drake Bernard Converse comes over here with the COVID year. COVID year. Yeah. I think uh, uh, one, of the, one, if not both, of the Arkansas transfers came over here with the COVID year. So, I mean, we've seen uh, arguably – even more talent. I think it's going to be evident in basketball as well, where you yes. have the COVID year really help teams as far as just the amount of talent that you have uh, in the pool. So I think that's an interesting proposal. I would be, I would be interested to see how it would, uh, how it would play out and how you would, you know, propose it. But um, yeah, it's definitely not ideal to have these coaches going early, especially when the Wisconsin players, I think tweeted out that, you know, this wasn't us. Like we didn't, right. we didn't want him fired, and right. they still made the move. And, so and what the it's what the administration is great. telling them, the administration is saying, "Well, look, coach is gone. Your season's over. Forget about it." Well, if a coach is fired before November first, let's not let that year count against the player's eligibility, just like we did with the twenty twenty COVID season. And roster management's yeah. always going to be a headache, so that's no big deal. Um, it is what it is. Help the players out and then let them go find somewhere else and they can go play again. That's what I'd say. I'm all for yeah. it. Anyway, I'm all for it. All right. Uh, it's early. Uh, you give LSU a shot in this one? I do. I do. Um, I, I mean, heck, the line's been dropping. I think Tennessee is, is a really good team. Um, I trust LSU's. I still, even though I was disappointed with how the first half went, went against Auburn, I still trust this LSU defense to keep them in every game pretty much. I I like this, how they played against Florida State. I like how they played against Mississippi State. Yeah. And the second half against Auburn, for the most part, was, was solid. I think they're going to come out. They'll be able to – I don't think Tennessee gets deep in, into the 30s if they do. I mean, obviously, if they get to 35, I don't think LSU wins. But if, if the defense can hold up and hold them to 27, 
28, I think that we'll have a, a really close one there in Tiger Stadium. So this I one's do think all on. Sure. Yeah, this one's all on LSU's offense. They got to they yeah. gotta control the ball. They gotta they can't fall behind and, and come up empty drive after drive after drive. All right, Matthew Bruni from Bengal Tiger on three. Thank you so much for your time as always. I greatly appreciate it. Yep. Thanks for having me. Of course, man. Got it. We'll uh we'll take a quick time out here when we come back. We're heading to Chicago. Yes, the NBA. Da, 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 da. The Pels and Zion get their season underway. Preseason game. We'll talk with Ali Cassell about that more. Stay with us. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Ah, yes, indeed. They roll out the balls tonight in the United Center in Chicago. Preseason basketball and our first look at Zion and the Pelicans taking on the Chicago Bulls. It's a late tip in the the Windy City. It's an 830 tip our time. Um, and let's talk some hoops because it's time to roll out the balls, right? And that's Ali Cassell from At The Bird Right, kind enough to join us. Ollie, I know where I'm going to be at 8.30 tonight. How about you, big guy? I know as well. I'm going to be sitting right on my comfortable couch watching TNT. <laughs> Absolutely. So the, the Zion effect already taking place. This isn't on NBA TV. This is on TNT. So already playing a factor in this thing. Um, what's what's a re- – I can't remember preseason games. I mean, the starters aren't going to play much, but – I, I would expect maybe the first so first quarter, maybe. What do you think? I'm guessing they'll probably play two stints because Willie Green said that he wants the starters to go roughly about 20 minutes, like all the main guys, roughly about 20 yeah. minutes. So does that count first and second quarter or the first and third? We don't know. But I think yeah. we'll see them a little bit more than I'm guessing just one stint, like in the first quarter. Uh, the Cat came out the bag with uh, their first – scrimmage on their first day of practice they did a little double header little drills in the morning and then they scrimmaged at night and i was told that uh that zion was unstoppable didn't miss a shot yeah uh, look it's something just to hear the stories but the fact that you afterwards ask the coaches the players about it and they're all just like smirking glowing you know every positive emotion you can think of that just produces nothing but crazy excitement, right? I mean, they, they acted like they were seeing something for the first time. So if Zion's truly looking that good, wow, I think the NBA's in store for a heck of a shock. I think we're in store, everybody is, for a better Zion, right? I mean, remember the impact he made in his rookie season? Right? Yeah. Nobody will forget that opener against the uh, San Antonio Spurs. Did he hit like four points. threes? But, yeah, but I'm telling you what, I think we're going to see some kind of sustained excellence from this guy because he's in the best shape of his life. Yeah, they, they had over 6,500 fans for an open practice on a Saturday. Uh, 6,500, that, that's uh, that's pretty darn good, to say the very, very least. And uh, I, I'm just curious. I know what I'm going to get from him. I, I'm just really curious to, to see how this all works together. Where is Willie going to play him? Uh, is he going to let C.J. McCollum initiate the offense? Um, 
not 50% of the time or a hundred percent of the time, or is Zion going to rebound it, bring it up the court. That's, that's what I'm really curious to see. How is this all going to, to work and blend in together? That's, that's the main thing I want to see. How is Willie going to utilize this talent? Yeah, I think we all are, but unfortunately, I don't think Brandon Ingram's going to play today. So we're not going to get that complete picture, right? I know both Ingram and CJ McCollum are listed as questionable, Nothing major, no. right? There's just some minor things they're dealing with, so why play them? But like yeah. I said, I don't think we're going to get to see the full unit out there, so that won't really give us much of a clue on how it'll look in the regular season. But I will say this. Don't expect for points, Zion. Don't expect for the way, you know, Stan Van Gundy basically Good. had the offense operate through either Zion or B.I. No, I think that's largely going to be just like the offense was last year, right? They're going to play that point five system where it's going to come up through usually a point guard, C.J. McCollum, and then they're just going to move the ball, move quick actions, both player and man, and just find the guys that are open. So the offense isn't going to be dominated, right, by just one or two players. It's supposed They're supposed to be sharing the ball a lot of times. I think that fits, right, the skill set of this team. Zion doesn't want to be LeBron James out there. He never has. So I just Good. think it's going to fit. And, you know, the ball will find the best players eventually within the offense. What else are you hearing? How, how's uh, Trey Murphy developed? Um, what kind of a player is he now as compared to last year as a rookie? Because I've said this with you before, and I've said it to others. Um, I think he is so key to this club with his outside shooting ability and his length. I think he can be a very key factor. So I'm curious as how – I mean, it's a short sample so far, uh, but has he made strides? From what we hear, he has. And when you just look at him, he has, right? Physically, he's taller. He's put on about 13, 14 pounds of pure muscle. And while he never lacked for confidence, he just really didn't have the understanding of what it takes. Well, over the course of the last month of the uh, regular season last year into the playoffs, he learned everything there is to know really about the NBA. And he fell in love right with the playoffs. So that's his own, only goal is to make it back there. But I will say that I have a feeling that he's going to be such a big part of the offense and even the defense, because his measurables are just incredible, right, Jordy? I mean, he stands mm-hmm. about close to, I want to say 6'10". I've heard 6'9 and a half, weighs about 215 pounds. Willie Green um, basically said he could guard probably anywhere from the 1 through the 5 once he yeah. really gets things down. And for a guy that can stretch the floor, which we're hearing all the way out to 30 feet, he's extended his range this year, that, boy, he's going to surprise a lot of people to where I think by the end of the year, He's going to get some consideration for a six man of the year or wow. most improved, at least one of those two awards. Wow. 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 That's awesome. Ali Cassell at the bird rights. Uh, the say, uh, the saints, the Pels are certainly showing Zion. Um, look, we believe in you. We believe in this team. Um, CJ McCollum signed a two year contract extension. They just signed Larry Nance jr. Who I think Zion really likes and really gets along with to a two-year contract extension. Ingram, Zion, all in there together. Um, So I got to give my kudos to a front office that I was very, very Mm -hmm. leery of, uh, but they've assembled assembled a talented roster. Um, And uh, so I got to give them my props when, when they deserve it. They've made so many good moves since going back to last summer, right? For the year that didn't work under Stan Van Gundy. They moved on from a lot of guys. Uh, Eric Bledsoe, Stephen Adams, even Lonzo Ball, 
which now yeah. in hindsight looks like a smart move because he's having trouble with can't, his knees. So can't play. Yeah, to get away from all those guys. Yeah, Jordy. And then all of a sudden you make three smart picks. Well, I should say two smart draft picks. And then of course they added Jose Alvarado, who went undrafted. And then that C.J. McCollum, Larry Nance trade in midseason. They have yeah. just hit every single home run when had when they have had the opportunity over the last year. So I don't know how you can't be excited. And we haven't even talked about yet on the, on your show today about Dyson Daniels. Well, I'm expecting to show a lot of things to people okay. this year. I was gonna, I was, I was gonna bring that up, but you mentioned the the Lonzo Ball deal. Remember when the the, the Pels had targeted Kyle Lowry? Mm-hmm. Aren't you glad that that didn't work out? Huh? Boy, Jeez. Yeah, because look, Kyle's on the definite wrong side of his peak. I mean, he yeah. how many games did he miss for the Heat last year? And he didn't look Ooh. at all in shape during the playoffs, so he can't be relied upon. And yet, and he the Pelicans were going to pay that guy thirty million plus. They would have never had C.J. McCollum. They, they, they would have never had the year they had last year, I feel like. You know, so thank goodness sometimes it works out when the players, a good player that you're chasing says no. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he big-timed uh, the Pelicans. He said, heck, I'm going to Miami. Good, thank you, because you can't score anymore. <laughs> and uh, uh, C.J. McCollum can flat-out score, and he's a great he's a great team leader. So, hey, I am curious about the rookie, the number one pick, the, uh, you know, their, their first first-round pick. Um, what do you see there? I'm seeing a guy that can become an impact defender right away. You know, Jordan, I've heard a lot of good things about him because we barely got to see him right in summer league. He got injured right. almost right away, uh, mm-hmm. spraining his ankle. But from behind the scenes, I've heard he can pretty much lock down anybody. So it's kind of the same praise we heard about Herb Jones a year ago. So that right there is probably going to earn him some minutes. Now, whether he doesn't mm-hmm. get some like right away out of the gates, I think that's a tough, you know, tough ask because this team is so deep. But I think once you get a couple months into the season, he'll probably start earning some regular rotation minutes. Because not only can he defend, he can rebound for you. He can push the ball because he's got that point guard mentality and ability. And I'll tell you what, his jump shot, it is looking so much better than when you watch highlights of him in a G League. Fred Vinson really can work magic because it looks like a really legitimate good shot now. Well, Fred Vincent's a very valuable commodity as an assistant coach. There's no question about that. Um, Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights. I'm just, I'm really curious. There's some good players on this team that aren't going to smell it hardly any minutes. And mm-hmm. I'm just wondering if behind the scenes, if the Pels, I mean, look, they've never paid the luxury tax ever. Um, is this the time to maybe go all in? And go out and try and get that other guy, and now you instead of having a terrific trio, you got a fabulous foursome. I don't know. Yeah, that's a great question because I mean, look, if this team is sitting somewhere in the coast or inside the top four in the Western Conference before the deadline, why not take a big swing if it's available, right? Because you've yeah. got uh, contracts you can send out to make up the difference in money. We know Devonte Graham's probably not a long-term uh, piece right. of this core, uh, especially after his team Adam McCollum. Jackson Hayes, you know, he's on the last year of his deal. Derek Temple can be used for salary. So they have the contracts and all these future draft picks to make a move. And, yeah, one thing we've learned, you don't get to sit around and enjoy a team for, you know, five, six, seven years anymore. In That's right. When you've got a good team, you've got to strike while the iron's hot because these teams, boy, they, they, they get taken apart quickly because of the salary cap, because players want to move on, you name it. So, yeah, you have to swing if. Like I said, if the Pelicans are in good position, right? And I think that's going to take about a top four or so uh, sitting in those standings about halfway through the season. Jonas Valanciunas uh, played such a key role a year ago, but things have changed a lot. Um, 
what kind of an impact does he make on this team? Does he does he slow this team down, or is he still a a, a very valuable piece to this? Where you see him continue to get big minutes, or do his minutes decrease and the Pels go a little bit smaller with more shooters? I think both that he's still an important piece, but also that they will go smaller because they have that ability. And, you know, that's the trend in today's game, yeah. right? You want to have players that are so versatile, can guard so many different positions. You have to be able to do so many different things. One thing to cre- uh, Jonas's credit is the fact that he can play well on both sides of the ball. We saw that last year. I mean, I think he was last year's first-half MVP, right? If the Pelicans no didn't have him for the first 40 games, who knows where they would have no uh, question at the end of the year, right? Because he yeah. helped them win a lot of games. But I will yeah. say that, right, defensively, he's not the perfect fit next to Zion. We know that. They need a rim protector. So I think long-term, that'll probably change. But for right now, he serves a purpose. He can score on the inside. So when you don't have Zion in the game, hey, you've got Jonas. He's incredibly smart. Great rebounder. He's one of the best rebounders in the game. So just think about he and Zion, right, on the offensive class this year. And, of course, he can shoot the ball. That's something Adam could not do at all. There were games last year where, you know, Jonas really stretched the floor. So if he can do that, he'll definitely play a valuable part this year. Yep. Uh, I saw the Lakers got beat by 30, but Anthony Davis did uh, did some stuff. I saw Kawhi Leonard back on the court. I saw Jamal Murray back on the court for the Denver Nuggets. I saw Ben Simmons make his debut for the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie and Durant. So uh, it is upon us, and I can't – I saw – I saw the Grizzlies with John Morant doing his thing last night. So uh, this league is in good hands. There's so much talent out there. It's unbelievable. It really is. I think that's why we're hearing a lot more about expansion talks, Jordy. Because, I mean, look, there's great talent even on these bad teams, right? Look at Houston. They've got Jalen Green. They've yep. added Jabari Smith in a draft. Orlando. They've got Ben Carroll, you know, on top of Franz Wagner from last season. So even the teams at the bottom – they're worth watching. And then these teams that are above them, they can all legitimately make the playoffs because they've got good squads. So, yeah, I'm with you 100%. This is as healthy as the league's been in years. Ja had 22 points in 22 minutes. He is, he is some kind of good. And Kawhi yeah. Leonard had 11 and 16, and the Clippers are going to be better. It's just, it's, and, the, and the Pels are going to be better. So there you go. I can't wait. I'll see you tonight. We'll talk about it, man. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll shoot you a text when Zion does that. Uh, that 360 whirl around dunk, and then they sit him down and rest him the rest of the night. But, Ali, thank you, man. Can't wait. Absolutely, Jordy. You Looking forward care, to buddy. it. Ali Cassell at the Bird Rights joining us. The Pels and the Bulls tonight, 8.30 tip on TNT. The Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com. 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll be back to wrap up our number one next. Alexa and the game make a great team. Do yourself a favor and enable the Alexa skill, the game Southwest Louisiana, so you can keep it locked in to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, wherever you go. And we are back in better than ever as we wrap up our number one and um, busy hour number two coming your way. We um, will go around the SEC with Blake Topmeyer. 
and we'll talk about the Saints and their uh, the, the latest goings-ons in Houdatland, including Latavius Murray picked up. Um, Saints didn't hold all to him. The Denver Broncos got him, and it's got a lot of people up in uh, in uproar. So we'll see. We will see. Uh, the game wants you to face your worst nightmares by hooking you up with tickets to one of the top haunted attractions in the country, the 13th Gate. Just text the word GATE to 337-283-8100 to enter to win a pair of general admission passes. That's GATE to 337-283-8100. Get your scare on this Halloween season at the 13th Gate, courtesy of Midnight Productions and the game 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. So uh, lots of things to uh to talk about the nba general managers have favored the milwaukee bucks to win the title and for mvp this year they're going with uh luca of the dallas mavericks we will see our number two after this break live and local this is the game 1037 lafayette and 1041 lake charles southwest louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a saints touchdown It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, October the 4th. Say it isn't so, but apparently um, both Tom Brady and his wife Giselle have hired divorce attorneys this according to page six yahoo sports and many many others um she was noticeably absent at their last game um in tampa uh so stay tuned for that so maybe there is a little trouble in paradise uh, i i wish them both the very very best hope they can work it out for their kids sake um but we move onward and we talked about lsu and we talked about the pelicans starting there preseason competition tonight against the Chicago Bulls. But now we got to go around the SEC in college football because it's another big, big week. And we bring in from the USA Today Network who covers the SEC for them, our good friend Blake Topmeyer. Blake, good afternoon, man. What's happening, buddy? Oh, not too much. Just enjoying some uh, fall weather here where I'm based in in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hopefully uh, you're getting the same. Yes. All right. You only get to pick one game to go to. One game out of the whole slate. What's the best game on the SEC schedule this weekend, according to you? I think the best game on the schedule is uh, down in your land. I, I think yep. it's Tennessee, LSU. Um, yep. I think Tennessee, through the first month of the season, has to be taken seriously at this juncture, especially when you look at it through the lens of the East. And Kentucky has a loss now after that game against Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, Georgia has shown vulnerability in back-to-back weeks. Uh, I mean, I think if you're looking for a a Tier 2 contender to win the East behind Georgia, it's got to be the Vols right now. And, uh, you know, obviously, based on what happens in in Baton Rouge uh, on Saturday, um, you know, kind of provides some further clarity on that. What have you seen? Look, LSU's fallen behind. They're 2-0 in the SEC. I mean, they fell behind by 13 points against what turns out to be a pretty good Mississippi State team. Their defense gathered and shut them out from there on out. Uh, They fall behind by 17 to Auburn. Their defense turns around, shuts them out. The offense gets enough going, but 
their defense has been stout. Is that um, can't fall behind Tennessee like that? Their offense is too good. But is LSU's defense good enough, in your opinion, to slow them down? It's going. It's going to be a, a real challenge. I think you know Tennessee quarterback Hinton Hooker is playing yeah. as well as any quarterback in the country. He he operates Josh Heupel's up tempo offense. Uh, to near perfection. He's a very, very good decision maker. He gets rid of the ball quickly. I know that, uh, you know, LSU obviously likes its, its defensive line and, um, you know, has some talented dudes up there, but this is not a quarterback, uh, who's going to sit and, and hold the ball, hold the ball, hold the ball. He, he's going to, going to sling it and, and get rid of it. So I, I do think it's going to be a real challenge, uh, for LSU's defense. I mean, if, B.J. Ojolari or others can can get to him. That's that's one thing. But again, this is not a system that puts its quarterback in position to just stand in the pocket for a long time. Right. It's um, you know it's a lot of RPOs. It's a lot of quick stuff. It's a lot of you know one or two reads and, and throw it or, or, or run it. Um, you know, so I, I think that's some of the challenges uh, with this system combined with, as I said, just the tempo and the lack of time for the defense to rest and substitute in between plays. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good point. Blake Topmeyer with us. Uh, let's go around the SEC a little bit. The, that A&M Alabama, it seems like a, two years ago that Jimbo Fisher and Nick Saban had that little, uh, they paid for all their players to come kind of a thing. A&M has not lived up to the billing at all. And Alabama, despite losing their quarterback, figure out a way to win on uh, on the road in Fayetteville and they're the new number one team in the country. So what do you think of A&M at Tuscaloosa? I think A&M has been unmasked as a fraud. There's really yep. no other way to put it. Uh, Jimbo yep. Fisher continues to struggle uh, to sign and develop elite quarterbacks, really dating back to uh, since he, he had Jameis Winston at Florida State. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's really the last quarterback that Jimbo has signed and developed. He didn't upgrade enough at, at quarterback this offseason. That's apparent. But I think beyond that, you know, his, his scheme – continues to look a little bit dated. Looks like offense has passed him by a little bit. And as I wrote this week, I think it's becoming apparent that Jimbo made a mistake this offseason by basically ignoring the transfer portal. I mean, A&M's signing class was, was very celebrated, and deservedly so. But unless you've stacked up, you know, four or five number one or number two ranked signing classes in a row, which A&M hadn't, I think it's becoming apparent that you have to use the portal to some degree. I mean, if you just look at Alabama even, you know, Alabama was right there behind A&M in signing the number two recruiting class. But on top of that, they go out and they add a handful of plug-and-play transfers, a couple of whom really contributed in that victory over Arkansas. We saw the transfer running back, Jameer Gibbs, from, from Georgia Tech. He rushed for over 200 yards in that Alabama victory. And, and they found their left tackle in, in the transfer portal as well, and Tyler Steen from Vanderbilt. I mean, when you look at this A&M team, I really think they could have used a couple proven veteran playmakers or a couple proven veterans to help on that offensive line. Uh, the recruiting class was, was great, but when you lost as much as they did from their starting lineup last year and you haven't over the course of five or six years you know, been recruiting to the level of an Alabama or a Georgia, I, I really think – you know, we're learning that you have to use that portal to supplement what you have. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today. You know, LSU fans are very creative and they're very um, innovative. I, I saw where someone said, look, 
Scott Woodward knew all along that he was going to become the athletic director at LSU. So he hired Jimbo Fisher on purpose to sabotage the Aggies. How about that? Oh, yes. All you need to do is is check out the message boards around the country and you'll find out that there's uh, there's sabotage attempts going on everywhere in the country. Some will, would have you believe that uh, Dabo Sweeney sent Brent Venables off to Oklahoma to sabotage the, the Sooners, and that, that Venables is really just standing by his, his man Dabo uh, a time zone away. So, uh, yes, no, I don't think it's, it's bad. I, when you look at Jimbo, at the time they hired him, it, it was what I would call an aggressive – Teetering on the point of recklessness, contract. I mean, it, mm-hmm. to me, it was it, it was within the bounds of reasonableness when you consider like the dollar figure, a very very high price dollar figure. But that's the cost to pluck a sitting Power Five coach who's won a national championship. Where it mm. entered into recklessness was Jimbo's initial contract and then his contract extension he received last year, yep. guaranteed. The whole deal. It was all guaranteed. It was history making at the time that contract happened uh, in 2017. Now it's become the norm. You know, Brian Kelly and others have these these guaranteed contracts. Uh, but it you know it leaves you into a situation where you're really making your coach a galactic overlord because there's there's really no way you can hold his feet to the fire because what are you going to do? I mean, in a worst case scenario for Jimbo Fisher right now, is he gets fired and he gets paid 88 million dollars to go away i mean when you when you put a coach in that position he's really answering to no one it's a very one-sided contract that favors the coach um and and frankly i think jimbo fisher has the most one-sided contract uh in all of college football and that's been the case don't dating back to the contract that that scott woodward signed uh and then was extended and the buyout was more than doubled after scott woodward had had left Uh, Absolutely crazy. How how is Alabama without knowing that their their starting quarterback is going to be able to play or not? Favored by like twenty five points. I think A and M's offense is it's considered to be that bad. You know, yeah. I, I just don't see the Aggies scoring much against an Alabama defense that um, you know I think has been pretty good. It hasn't been great, no. but it's been pretty good. That that Arkansas offense. Um, you know, I, I think is one of the better ones in, in the league. And for about three quarters of that game, uh, Alabama's defense held up really nicely against it. And, and also, it should be noted that, yes, while, while Arkansas had 23 points, some special teams blunders that Alabama had contributed mm-hmm. to that. So, so really, I think throughout the season, including last week, Alabama's had a, a really solid defense, and you combine that with the worst offense in, in the league, in Texas A and M, and I, I just wow. I, I think if you know if you're if you're an odds maker, you got to think how, how many points is A and M really going to score in this game? Yeah. So even if Bryce Young doesn't play, you know it still it still seems like it's a potential route yeah. for Alabama. Yeah. That that backup quarterback can run. Uh, he can throw it too. Not bad. And that Jameer Gibbs, I like him a lot. Those receivers are getting better and better. All right. So you picked LSU Tennessee as the best game. What would be your second choice if you couldn't go to that one? Oh, that's uh, that's 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 a tough one. Um, I mean, yeah, I guess I'll be curious to see the atmosphere in um, in 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 Tuscaloosa this week, just because of the the off season feud between between Jimbo and Nick Saban. But I I really don't know if the the game itself is going to be that compelling. I think maybe 
it, just in terms of like a second tier game, I'm really curious about Mississippi State hosting yes, Arkansas. That's you know, the these one. Are two teams yes. That I still like Mississippi State. I know they lost to LSU a few weeks ago. I wasn't surprised by that. I thought LSU at home that that was going to be a tough game for State, but they've they've bounced back. They they beat Texas A&M handily last week. When you look at you know we're in the we're knee deep in the portion of the season that we're at sea. They're overrated. They ain't played nobody. I mean, I'm sure you right. hear that all the time, right? Oh, yeah. All fans right now at this midpoint of the season, they're all screaming, ain't played nobody. But when you look at Mississippi State, they have played some people. And I'm not saying they've played number one or number two in the land yet. That'll come later when they play Alabama and Georgia. But mm-hmm. they've played Memphis, pretty solid group of five school. They went on the road and beat a Power 5 Arizona. Um they lost to LSU on, on the road, but they bounced back last week and beat Texas A&M at, at, at home. You know, they're sitting here 4-1 and one right now, and they've played three Power 5 opponents plus a pretty good group of five school in Memphis. I think they have played somebody, and I still like Mississippi State. Arkansas, I, I don't know. I was high on the Hogs coming into the season. I'm cooling a, a little bit. I, I still yeah. think they have a, a really good offense. But that that defense has has been exposed a few times this season, yep. Um, yep. and if they're not getting to the quarterback and, and racking up sacks, um, yeah, I think that defense is is a little bit limited. I'm with you. All right, we do it every week with you. So let's do the uh, your top five teams in the SEC this week. Who you got at the who, who who's at number five? <laughs> uh, it's gonna be easier if I start from the top down. Okay, so from the top. Who's number there. one? <laughs> um, it's like saying the ABCs in reverse. That's a struggle, you. uh, whether you're sober or not. Uh, so let's start at the let's start at the top. Uh, I, I've got Alabama back on top this Good. week. Um, yeah, I started the season with Alabama number one. Uh, I think for a couple weeks there, I would have had Georgia one, but uh, right now have Alabama number one. If, if Bryce Young's injury is any more serious than Nick Saban's letting on, then I might have to reevaluate that. Okay. Number two, it's still Georgia. I think right. they fell off the top rung based on that shaky performance in, in Como, but I still think they're number two. I have Tennessee at okay. number three. Tennessee's right. defense is, is not good. I mean, it just isn't. The secondary in particular is weak. But when you have an offense that is ex- as explosive as they are, um, you know, and a, and a quarterback playing as well as Hinton Hooker is, that, that makes them dangerous to sure. any opponent, really. Uh, so they're number three. I have uh, Ole Miss number four. I like the well-roundedness uh, of Ole Miss. They're playing defense really well. Uh, the run game is probably the best in the conference. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, with a couple really good backs there, they have a very sturdy offensive line. And um, you know, I think they need Jackson Dart to continue to improve. Uh, but he's been, you know, a decent dual threat for them. And I'd say at number five, uh, I'm kind of hedging my bets right now between LSU and Kentucky. Uh, I wish they. They played head to head this year and, and could settle that one for me uh, because I got I got them on, on pretty much equal footing at this point. Okay, I think that's uh, I think that's very accurate and very very fair and very honest. Uh, Ole Miss has surprised me. They really have. I, I've said it before to you, and I'll say it again. Uh, uh, Lane Kiffin's better than I thought he was. He he's a he's a good coach, man. He's good. Well, and, and I've said for a while now, Lane's Twitter persona. Well, I think it's very effective. Um, and is endearing to a lot of people. It sort of masks, um, you know, how intelligent he is as a coach, and it masks his his true personality. I think, you know, his his Twitter personality suggests that this guy is a stand up comedian, um, you know, just kind of a, a goofball in some ways. But really, 
is a cerebral guy. You know, I've spent um, some extended time around around Lane in, in the two previous off seasons, and he's a smart coach. He's very yeah. calculated. Um, I think he's matured since earlier in his career. Now, that may have been a low bar to pass, but he has passed it. Uh, and I think he has the right approach there at Ole Miss. I mean, if you try to do it, you know, just the standard way and go up against the likes of, of Alabama's and LSU's in the, in the world, it's going to be a tough road to hoe. But he was in on the ground floor of the transfer portal stuff, crafting himself as the portal yeah. king. And you look at so many of the contributors in last week's win over Kentucky. I mean, just endless, endless transfers had a hand in, in that victory. Uh, and credit yeah. to Lane for, um, you know, not only accumulating that talent, but also getting some cohesiveness, too, with, with so many new faces. I, I, I think, you know, Lane's, that... Lane, Lane's not a joke. He's not a, no. <laughs> anything like Here's that. Here's my I mean, question. This is a really Blake, good football coach who happens to be pretty sarcastic and dry and, and can be funny, yeah. especially on social media, uh, as sort of a throw-in to, to what a good coach he, he really is. Back in the 50s, Ole Miss was really good and could win championships. Can Ole Miss win a national championship? Uh, that's the big question mark. Is that is that the thing that's going to keep Lane Kiffin there or look for a place where you can win one, where it's already been proven you can win one? I'll say this. I think with the 12-team playoff coming, it makes it easier for schools like Ole Miss to keep a coach as good as Lane Kiffin because in the 14-team okay. playoff era, it's really, really difficult for a school like Ole Miss to make the playoffs. It's the same cast of teams over and over, and I don't see that changing. In a 12-team playoff era, we would be talking about Ole Miss right now yeah. as being in very good position to make yeah. the playoff this year. Now, could, could you win a national championship? I, I don't know. But if you're in the yeah. dance, you got a chance, right? you got a and, chance. And, and you got to be in the dance. If they That's can right. Keep, yeah, if they can keep Lane Kiffin um, at Ole Miss, and you know, we know Lane's passed, but I, I do think he's a little older. He's a little wiser. I'm not saying he would never jump, but I'm saying there might be a little more pause than uh, there was in a decade ago. Uh, if Life. they can keep him to the 12-team playoff era, he can get Ole Miss to the playoffs. And, and once you're in, and we'll yeah. see from there. But it gets you seat at the table. He can get quarterbacks, and he's got a pretty good gig uh, in Oxford. That's not a bad deal. Real quick. Uh, Tennessee, LSU, who you got? What's, give me a score. I know it's only Tuesday, and you haven't done all your deep research, but you've seen both of these teams. You know what Tiger Stadium's like. I'm, even if it's at 11 o'clock, it's still a sellout. It's going to be crazy. I promise you. What do you think? I, you know, and on one hand, I say I, I like Tennessee better. I, I think they've been a little more consistent, uh, particularly on, on the one side of the ball on, on offense. Um the other part of me says, oh, this feels like a trap game for Tennessee. They got Alabama coming yep. next week. You know, everybody's yep. down a little bit on LSU after kind of an ugly win last week. I think this is a dangerous one. I think Tennessee gets it done, though. I will say Vols by uh, maybe a touchdown. Let's call okay. it like, uh, oh, 35-28, somewhere, somewhere uh-huh. in that realm maybe. Blake Topmeyer, USA Today. Thank you. It's always great talking with you, man. I really appreciate it. Okay, sounds good. Thanks for having me on. All righty. It's 20 minutes after the hour. We'll take a quick timeout. That was going so good. I went a little bit long there, but I promise you the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose of the St. Sue's Network is coming up after this timeout on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Oh, 
It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Oh, the season is not over. The season is not over. The Saints at 1-3, and three, getting ready to host the Seattle Seahawks inside the friendly confines of the Superdome. Bob, good afternoon, my friend. How are you? Good afternoon, Jordy. And yeah, I suppose it could be worse. It could be 0-4 and, and not 1-3. and 3. Uh, But the, <laughs> th- things aren't looking pretty right now. They really aren't. What? Uh, okay. Turnovers, penalties. Mm-hmm. That's, that's kind of it in a nutshell. I mean, penalties, that comes down to discipline and coaching and and promise for week after week after week and still no correction. So there's a, there's a disconnect somewhere here. And that's something that uh, I hate to put it back on the old coach, but that didn't happen under his watch. No, it absolutely did not. Uh, And except for a a small handful of players, we're talking about the same cast of characters here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now I'm not going to get into the NFL officiating and all all that stuff. We've read, you know, we've, we've hashed all that. Yeah. but having said that, it's player. The players on the field have to execute, and they're playing very undisciplined football right now. And that it, that's not only a testament to the the coaching, but also the leadership in the locker room and the leadership in that huddle. Uh, you know, it's something that we thought that this Saints team was very strong in, uh, you know, last in recent seasons. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason to think otherwise right now. Other than they're not playing disciplined football, they're they're playing extremely sloppy in all three phases. I mean, special teams was has been abysmal this year. Uh, yeah, so something has to change yeah. quickly. And you're right. You know, Sean Payton from day one had the reputation of getting in players' faces, making examples out of players. You know, very very Bill Parcells like. Uh, and you know, De- Dennis Allen and, and yeah, Dennis Allen's personality is not that of Sean Payton. He's not an in-your-face guy. Right. But you don't have to be a yeller and a screamer and a thrower of things uh, you know, to, to get your point across. You just have to be consistent and strict in your messaging. And that's where I think that the, you know, this entire coaching staff is falling short right now. Um, yeah, I didn't play college football or high school football. I played grammar school football, but I played college basketball. And I know if you keep making mistake after mistake, there's penalties to play. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you get on the line, you start running and you start running. And soon, soon, soon thereafter, you say, I have had enough of this. I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to figure it out. Uh, wow. It just, I mean, how many third down killer penalties that the saints have against the vikings it was ridiculous yep and yeah and again you question the timing and you know the the uh, um legitimacy of those calls i'm trying yeah. to be careful here jordy because i yeah. like you um <laughs> but yeah but nonetheless you know no, the, i'm the with players, you uh, yeah, yeah the, the players again are are the ones that are committing you know and not not every call that goes against the saints is you know a corrupt or bad officiating right. the, the, these players are still making inexcusable mistakes uh you know De- deontay hardy putting the ball on the ground on a punt return that you know if you go back and watch that play there was a clear outside lane where there was nothing but green ahead of him and yeah. he danced and cut back inside where he got stripped uh yeah and you know fumble after fumble after fumble every single game that's also discipline yeah. Uh, I, I realize there are 
you have opponents against you that are trying to win, that are trying to strip the football, et cetera. Uh, but these guys are supposed to be working on this in practice. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be professionals, coaches and players alike. Uh, and you know, I, I already use sloppy and undisciplined. I'll say unprofessional, too, because right. yeah. uh, you know, you know, everything about the, you know, the New Orleans Saints right now on the field and stemming from the locker room screams unprofessional and undisciplined to, you know, to an average observer like myself. Yeah, when you lead the league in penalties, when you lead the league in offensive turnovers, you're lucky you're one in three. Uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Okay, here's another puzzling thing to me. Um, we don't know about Alvin Kamara's status. Right. Latavius Murray had a pretty good game against the uh, Minnesota Vikings, and they put him back on the practice squad, and whoop, the Denver Broncos scoop him up. He's gone. A lot of people, are, what happened there? I'm not saying Latavius Murray Murray is going to get you to a Super Bowl, but he, he looked pretty good to me. I'm confused, Bob. Um, I'm, I'm confused and disappointed. Uh, you know, now as I was writing the article, once the report hit last night, yesterday evening, <clears throat> uh, John Hendricks, our John Hendricks of the Saints News Network, did sort of explain to me and kind of opened my eyes that you know when you when you promote a player from the practice squad for a game day active. There is a small window where that player is officially practice squad again. Now, it's my understanding also that the Saints went to Latavius Murray. They offered him a position on the active roster, in which case the Saints would have had to release uh, you know, one, of the, one of the other 53-man players. It was Latavius that said no. Now, the Saints still could have said, you know, you know what, we're keeping you anyway. Uh, you know, we're going to release so-and-so okay. and we're, we're forcing you to be on the active roster. It's a better move for Latavius Murray, the player. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. presuming Alvin Kamara is going to be healthy and same with Mark Ingram, Latavius is going to get a lot more snaps with the Denver Broncos. Yes. Uh, yeah. But, and on one hand, it is a testimony to the fact that the Saints organization still respects the, their players' needs. And, you know, okay, good luck, Latavius. We'll miss you, et cetera. Uh, but on the other hand, there's a, there's a clear need at the backup running back position behind Alvin Kamara. You and I have highlighted that need Forever. since – Forever, uh, you know. So it, it, at some point, you got to say, you know, Latavius, we respect you as a human being, as a and as a player, but we need you in a New Orleans Saints uniform right now. Yeah. Uh, so the Saints need to take the ball away more. They've only got four takeaways so far, and they got to hold on to the ball more as they've given it away eleven times on on fumbles. So uh, enough of that. What did you think of Andy Dalton? And what do you do with the Seahawks looming uh, in the near horizon? I thought Andy Dalton played some sharp football. I did uh, yeah, he, he's as an athlete and as a pure thrower, he is far more limited than what Jameis Winston can give you. But we're not talking about potential here. But the P word gets coaches fired. Uh Andy Dalton did a great job of taking what the defense gave him something that Jameis Winston has always struggled with. Andy Dalton did a great job of getting the ball out of his hands quickly uh, and you know, to, to the first open receiver among his read progressions, something that Jameis Winston has struggled with certainly this year. If I, and I'm not saying there's a quarterback controversy in New Orleans yet. There uh-huh. shouldn't be right. yet. But if I'm Dennis Allen, you know your quarterback is banged up. You know he's struggling up here uh, you know, mentally. Uh you're just 
you're just arriving back from a long overseas trip to London. Mm -hmm. You have a team that, frankly, on paper, you should thrash at home. If I'm Dennis Allen, I start Andy Dalton again. And I go to Jameis and I say, listen, we're just resting you for another week, kid. Yeah. yeah, because you you need to get right again, you know, physically and mentally. Uh, you you should be. There's no reason why you cannot beat the Seattle Seahawks with Andy Dalton at quarterback. Now, if Andy Dalton goes out and balls out, plays extremely well, then maybe you have a decision to make. Especially if Jameis Winston still is decidedly not healthy. But if I'm Dennis Allen, I start Andy based off what I saw against Minnesota, which was very encouraging. I start Andy Dalton against the Seattle Seahawks. Don't, it's kind of odd, but who's coming to town? It was a team I said, they're going to go after Jimmy Garoppolo. They're going to go after a quarterback. They got Geno Smith, and it seems to me, if you're a Saints fan, wouldn't you want how Geno Smith is playing? That's how we'd like Jameis Winston to be playing. As the I know I may be crazy, but it, it just feels that way. Uh, on paper, if you didn't know the statistics, one could call us crazy, uh, but then then you look at the statistics and ignore the names behind them. Geno Smith leads the NFL in completion percentage, 77%. percent Through Brees numbers. Yes. Yes. Uh, yeah, now he's thrown the ball, you know, thrown four picks, you know, so that's not optimal, uh, but still one less than Jameis Winston has played with one more game under his belt. Yes. Uh, yeah, Geno Smith is doing exactly what the New Orleans Saints need their quarterback to do right now. Take what the defense gives you. Do not turn the ball over and get rid of the ball quickly. Third and passer rating, 108. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 77% completion. Geno, Jameis, y'all talk to one another. Rub hands or something and get some of that magic on on Jameis. All right, let's take a quick time out here. We'll come back. We'll talk more. Um, did you hear about Tom Brady and Giselle? Yeah. Gosh. And is there a quarterback? I think there is a quarterback controversy in Dallas. I really do. Black and Gold Report, Saints News Network's Bob Rose. We're back after this time out here on the Jordan Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber for the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bob Rose, Saints News Network, and also a very entertaining member of the Bayou Blitz podcast joins us yet again. Um, we talk about sitting Jameis Winston down for another week. Doesn't Dallas do the same thing with, with Dak Prescott as they take on the, the L.A. Rams? I'd say, look, uh, Dak, you don't want to have to go up against Aaron Donald. No, take a day off, man, because this Cooper Rush keeps winning. Yeah, uh, and I, I I have a feeling that they will, uh, you know, because you know, unlike Andy Dalton, who's played well for one week in a row, uh, you know, Cooper Rush has done it for three, uh, you know, three plus, really. And you paid Dak Prescott all that money to be an elite quarterback. And even though I like Dak Prescott, he is not an elite quarterback. You know, we've seen this scenario play out in Dallas before. Remember when Tony Romo took over for an injured Drew Bledsoe? Uh, you know, he played very, very well, and Romo never got his job back. Yeah. Dak Prescott took over for an injured Tony Romo. 
played well enough that Dak took the job permanently. Yeah. So I don't rule that out in Dallas. You know, I, again, you know, it, it's a similar comparison to Jameis versus Andy. Dak Prescott is the far more talented quarterback, but you're winning with Cooper Rush. Cooper Rush is playing what you're winning because of Cooper Rush, at least in part. I think Dallas you know, at least starts Cooper. I mean, yeah, the L.A. Rams still have to be viewed as a bona fide contender. So mm-hmm. you you roll out Cooper Rush again. Uh, you, know, you And if he continues to play well, I, I really hesitate sitting Coop. I do. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, last time we talked, this was before uh, the latest incident with Tua um, and his concussion situation. That's a that's a mess and a half there. Um, man, I, I, I hope he comes back eventually. I don't know what the story is on Tua. Yeah, I mean, you know, first and foremost, you you literally pray for that young man's health, uh, you know, yeah. both in the short term and the long term. Uh, you know, what happened to him? You know, and, and folks, if you go back and watch the highlight, I will caution you. It is scary. Yeah. It is very, very scary. Uh, you know, the, the Miami Dolphins, their medical staff, and frankly, the entire NFL should be ashamed uh, you know, because they continue to bury their heads in the sand. You know, look, and you and I were athletes. Uh Athletes want to play. You know, the, the toughest, especially an old school mentality athlete, they want to play. Right. You need to protect them from themselves. No question. Uh, you know, and, and when it comes to a matter of you know, an extreme, obviously, every time you step out on the court, the field or you know, whatever the case may be, you risk a serious injury that, that, that you sign up for that. But when you're already injured, that's when the coaches, trainers, doctors uh, you know, need to step in and stop the player from hurting themselves. I'm with you. Bob Rose with us. If you had told me through four weeks that the NFC East would be the best division in football, I would go, are you crazy? Eagles 4-0, Cowboys 3-1, Giants 3-1. From a record standpoint, they're right there at the tip top. I, I yeah, can't believe it. They're doing more than just beating each other. Uh, yeah, I think everybody knew that Philadelphia was going to be a very good team. Everybody figured that the talent on Dallas was Dallas's roster. They were going to be up there. Mm-hmm. It's the New York Giants and even Washington that's surprising a lot of people with their play. Now, Washington has come back down to earth in recent right. weeks, right. Uh, but the Giants are continuing to play uh, play at a high level. And you know, the, the key to that, they're not beating themselves. They're not mm-hmm. making the self-inflicted miscues. Uh, you know, they're taking care of the football. They're letting opponents make the mistakes to beat themselves. Uh, you know, does that sound like a t- or does that sound like the antithesis of a yeah. team that we're watching here in New Orleans? Yes, no doubt. Um, I-, I saw last night. Everybody talks about Tampa Bay's defense and this, that, and that. I just saw the best defense in football, the 49ers. Uh, they beat the Rams through four games, Bob. They've only allowed 46 points. Nobody else is even close. And I don't care how you do it. That's all I care about, the scoreboard. How many points did you score? How many points did you give up? Nobody's given up less than the 49ers. Yeah, exactly. And Kyle Shanahan, of course, is an offensive-minded coach. Uh, but he doesn't care about the way that you think that that, that they're winning as long as they're winning. And this 49ers team, and we knew this coming into this season, too, uh, as a of the last couple of years, they have a scary, scary defense uh, on all three levels. They're athletic, but they will beat the bejesus out of you behind the barn too, while no one's looking. I mean, you know, they, 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 you know, you're you're gonna you're in faith for a physical matchup when you play the San Francisco 49ers. And again, offensively, they see uh, credit to Kyle Shanahan. 
They seem to know their wow. limitations. They run the ball, they take care of it, and they get the ball in the hands of their playmakers. You know, Jeff Wilson, Debo, Debo Samuel. Samuel. Debo they, Samuel. Didn't let, they didn't let Debo Samuel leave. Props to the team. Debo, you're too. We're not letting you go. Sorry. Sorry. Exactly. I mean, you know, he play. And again, you know, we may or may not respect you as a human being, but Debo Samuel, you're you're too talented to go anywhere. You know, you're you're wearing that red and gold until we tell you otherwise. That's right. Uh, We talk about the 49ers with the best defense. The most entertaining team in football is one in three. That's the Detroit Lions. Man, they score like crazy. They, they scored 140 points, but they've allowed 141. But they're fun to watch. They are fun to watch. And obviously, there's you know, there, there's more than a handful of New Orleans Saints ties up there in Detroit, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, which uh, you know, which makes them a little bit easier to root for. They've always been that kind of lovable loser. Uh, but you're right. This team seems on the precipice of turning a big, big corner. Uh, you know, they'll score on anybody. And on defense, they haven't put it together yet. Uh, you know, and there's still some major talent holes, but they're going to play hard. Uh, you know, every single game, and that's Dan Campbell's personality, their head coach. Uh, you know, you you better buckle it up when you come to play the Detroit Lions because you're in for a track meet, uh, and you know, you're 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 going to have to match them. Uh, you know, and yeah, you know, they're they're playing at such a high emotional level right now, and again, that's mm-hmm. a testament to the coaches because yeah. that kind of stuff trickles down from the coaching staff. Yeah, you're right. I, don't you think that? commissioner is sitting back in his office going this is what we want there's i mean you know nobody's pulled away from anybody it's not like major league baseball where the dodgers are winning their division by 25 games and the yankees are winning by 10 and the astros are winning by 13 um it's a foregone conclusion but this this is what the nfl wants right they want parity they want this thing going down to the wire yeah, that's exactly what the NFL wants. That's exactly what TV network executives want. Uh, you know, and you know, P- Pete Rozelle started that, you know, and you know, he was infamously bashed for it yeah. uh, you know, about wanting parity. Uh, but he and Paul Tagliabue kind of planted those seeds. I'm not, you know, not going to give Roger Goodell credit for literally anything no, that ever happens. No, no. Uh, but you know, you're right. He has to be sitting back because you know, when you have all 32 teams that can be a legitimate draw, that's good for. There's nothing that's there's nothing that's bad for business about that. I'm with you, uh, Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Uh, when we look at the Saints schedule, okay, we got Seattle coming to town this Sunday. Um, that that's that's next on the books. Then you got the Bengals coming to town, so that's back to back home games that you have um they, they got to win this seattle game where well, this season's down the tubes i think they got to win it yeah yeah without a doubt uh and especially for the confidence of the team uh yeah because you you got to believe that even the seasoned veterans in that locker room that their confidence is a little bit shaky right now yeah. uh you, know, the, it, you can it, it's been a long long time since a healthy saints football team has lost three consecutive games um uh, and yeah, I I, I, I kind of said that Minnesota was sort of a must win, but I agree with you now. See, if you have any illusions uh, about being a contender whatsoever, yeah. you need to beat the Seattle Seahawks. I don't care how you do it. I don't care by what score you do it. You need a W in that win column. And no matter how it occurs, you know, the, it, 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 wins do wonders for a shaky confidence. Yeah, again, even if you come out of there saying, man, we shouldn't have won that game. Well, guess what? You did. 
Uh, and yeah. sometimes it's being, yeah, better to be lucky than good. And Saints could use a little bit of luck right now, but it's it, it, it starts with playing up to your talent level and simply outplaying and out-executing your opponent. Yeah. You know, that game told me, uh, and we talked about it, I said, the thing that scares me the most is Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. They're really good, and Justin Jefferson proved it. God bless my uh, Lattimore. I mean, he tried his best, but when you got a quarterback that can throw it, knows where the receiver's going to be and can throw it where he can get it, and a guy like Jefferson can get open and go get it, how do you stop that? You can't. You don't. Yeah, you don't, and especially in today's NFL. I mean, back through the 70s and probably the 80s, Lattimore just could have mauled him. Uh, right. Yeah, cause, yeah right. it's not that Lattimore was getting beat handily on very many of those resets. They were almost all contested catches, and a couple of them ESPN highlight reel type of catches and throws. You know, Cousins was dead on tar, uh, dead on accurate, uh, and you know it's the same with Thielen. Uh, you know, but. Yeah, it's just it's so difficult when to stop a team when they have such elite weapons. And okay, they shut down Dalvin Cook. Saints did a great job of doing that. Uh, yeah, but yeah, all right, you're going to shut down Dalvin Cook. I, I'll just go to Thielen and you know, and Jefferson. Jefferson's an elite wide receiver, like you said. Thielen's an experienced Pro Bowler. And to me, yeah, that, that's football one on one. And we say, feels like we're saying it every single week. Yeah. Get the ball in the hands of your playmaker. Kirk Cousins, unlike Jameis Winston for the first three weeks, got the ball out of it. You know, okay, I'm not going to make the play. I'll let J- JJ make it. I'll let Thielen make it. He did his job. If they eliminate the turnovers, if they cut the penalties in half, is that enough to beat Seattle at home? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, I thought the Seahawks were going to be a bad, bad football team this year. And I give them uh, the utmost credit uh, you know, for playing above what I think their talent level is. Uh, but you're still looking at a defense. A, it's built very similar to what Minnesota is. Very big, very physical across the front end at 3-4 front. Uh, but just like the Vikings were, the Seahawks are around the bottom of the league in every conceivable defensive ranking. Offense, you have, again, two talented wide receivers, DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, uh, that are going to be a challenge for Lattimore and uh, Adebo and Roby. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the Saints have the personnel to stop the Seattle Seahawks who want to run the football first because they want to protect Geno Smith. If they can do that, I like their matchup in the secondary. Uh, DK Lockett, they're going to get their plays. Uh, yeah, but yeah, just like Jefferson and Thielen did, the difference was Jefferson and Thielen made their plays while the Saints gave them additional opportunities, right. like you said, because of the turnovers, mistakes, et cetera. Yeah. They eliminate those. I still think that this Saints team is among the most talented in the NFL. Here's another thing. If you had told me after four weeks that the MVPs for the Saints on offense would be Chris Olave and on defense would be Pete Werner, I'd say you're crazy. But they are. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's no disrespect to either Warner or Olave. No, both, no. We knew they were both talented coming in. But if exactly, if you'd have told me the same thing, I'd have assumed that Michael Thomas has been injured and he's only missed one game. I'd have assumed that Demario yeah. Davis, Marshawn Lattimore, that the, Cam Jordan, that those guys were injured. So uh, I'll credit Olave and Warner for playing that well, but it's also an indication that your established stars need to step up their game. He is Bob Rose of the Saints News Network. Can't thank you enough, man. Now go tend to that beautiful family, and I appreciate it as always. Right back at you, my friend. Thank you for everything you do for the New Orleans Sports Networks. All right, buddy. Thank you. Take care. You too.
next week to the Jordy Holtberg Show for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Houston Astros host the Philadelphia Phillies, who just clinched a playoff spot last night, but they'll play tonight. You won't see many regulars in this thing. It's be it's at Minute Maid Park. It's the final series of the regular season. First pitch set for 7-10. You can listen to all the action live on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Our thanks today go out to Matthew Bruni of uh, on, uh, Bengal Tiger on three. LSU is... Um, underdog against the uh, Tennessee Volunteers opened up at four. It's down to like two and a half now. So a lot of people betting the Tigers. They're starting to believe in this team. They think this defense can do something to slow down this vaunted volunteer offense. Tiger Stadium, can it work its magic in the in the morning time? I think it can. I've seen it before. Seen it before. Ali Cassell, we get to see Zion for a little bit, the new and improved and healthy and slim and trim Zion. As the NBA preseason gets underway for the Pels tonight in Chicago, where the statue of Michael Jordan with that uh, patented uh, dunking motion, it sits out in front. Great basketball town. Um, Blake Topmeyer took us around the SEC, the top game of the week. Shame on you, CBS. Shame on you. Lucky for somebody else because uh, LSU Tennessee is the marquee matchup in this one. And, uh, Bob Rose of the Saints News Network with the Black and Gold Report. Saints taking on Seattle this Sunday. You have to wait for the Raging Cajuns because they don't play till a week from tomorrow against the thundering herd of Marshall. Be a tough environment, tough place to play. So uh, thanks to all of them. Thanks to you, James Mesh, as well. If today happens to be your birthday, rather, uh, October the 4th, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share your birthday with. The youngest NBA MVP, he was 22 years old at the time, playing for the Chicago Bulls. Now with the Detroit Pistons, Derek Rose is uh, 34 today. Susan Sarandon uh, from Bull Durham is 76. And Tony La Russa, no more manager of the Chicago White Sox. He turned 78. Come on back tomorrow, same time, 2 to 3, because the Astros come on at 3. Um, until then, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another and be happy. Enjoy the rest of your day. So long, everybody.